Welcome to Discovering Nutrition with Chronometer. I'm your host and community marketing manager, Elisa, and today I am absolutely thrilled to have on special guest, registered dietitian, Andres Eseta. Andres is a registered dietitian with 12 years of experience, and he is the founder of Planos Nutrition. Through his proven coaching framework known as the Nutrition Blueprint Method, Andres and his Planos coaches have helped hundreds of career-driven parents transform their nutrition, lifestyle, mindset, and fitness. Andres has been featured in numerous media outlets, including Forbes, CNN, Business Insider, Shape, Pop Sugar, and Today's Dietitian. He is so passionate about using a personalized approach to help men and women boost their energy, improve their confidence, and shed the excess weight for good. With a bachelor's degree in nutrition and dietetics from the University of Southern Indiana and a master's degree in exercise science and sports nutrition from the University of Central Florida, Andres has earned numerous certifications, including certified strength and conditioning coach, and certified specialist in sports dietetics. He is a licensed registered dietitian in the state of Florida. Today we sit down to talk about sustainable weight loss, why slow is better, and tips to help you succeed. As always, this podcast is for general purposes only and does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including getting medical advice. The use of information from this podcast is at the user's own risk and is not to be substituted for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. As someone who has basically yo-yo dieted my whole life, sustainable weight loss is something that I've incorporated into my own life and I've been able to successfully keep off 20 pounds. If you want to know how I did it and how Andres recommends you do it too, stay tuned. So I'm re- I'm really excited to have you on here. Obviously been looking at your Instagram for, for quite a while and I love your approach because I think that most people aren't just being real. You made a post the other day, I think maybe it was like last week about eating a cookie and just like having like a balanced diet. And I think that we're now at this point that people are more focused on holistic, well-balanced nutrition as opposed to being super restrictive. So love what you're doing. Uh, you, you speak so beautifully and have so much information. So definitely be encouraging all of our users to, to check you out or work with you because you do use Chronometer Pro, as we were saying before. If you could just give us a little bit of your own background, Andreas, and how you got into this profession, what your online coaching business looks like. We'd love to hear more about you. Yeah. Well, first off, thank you for having me. I think I've been wanting to kind of come into the Chronometer podcast. I think we made an attempt and I think they just we kind of got lost in the communications, but uh, we are finally here and I'm, I'm excited to and stoked to be talking to you today. A little bit about me. So I'm a registered dietitian. Uh, we're based out of Tampa, Florida. I'm originally not from the U.S. I'm originally from uh, Venezuela. So I'm Hispanic, uh, born and raised. And I moved to the United States around 2009 to complete my schooling. This is where I did all my career uh, in dietetics. Eventually, I went on to get my master's in sports nutrition and exercise science. And my whole background was rooted in sports nutrition. I worked with elite athletes most of my career. And 
helping them improve their performance, their lifestyle, and, and help them go from good to great. And now we still do, we're bringing a little bit of that back because um, I feel like I've missed working with athletes a lot. But uh, for the past like six or seven years, we founded a company uh, called Planus Nutrition. Planus is a Spanish word for blueprints. And really our whole philosophy is helping people build a blueprint for themselves, uh, a wellness blueprint that encompasses nutrition, um, their lifestyle, their their mindset, and, and also how they move and how they exercise and, and train. I We believe in a holistic approach to health and I feel nutrition cannot go without those other three things. And I think many times like people just focus on the one thing and they go and work out, but they don't pay attention to the nutrition or they will do the nutrition, but they don't pay attention to the workouts or they don't really take care of their mental health. And then those kind of things when then out of balance and do not really function well. So our philosophy is built and our methodology in our business is built around helping people through one-on-one coaching, build a blueprint that is rooted in those four pillars. To date, we've helped over 600, 700 people really accomplish those things. And again, we do a very personalized approach. We are Chronometer Pro users. So we use a uh, macro calorie awareness type of methodology too. I think it's what kind of gives people the most amount of flexibility to choose and to have sustainable weight loss, which we're going to be talking about here today. And it makes this process a little bit more easier for them and more realistic in the society that we live in today. So that's a little bit about me, about our company and what we do, but open to more questions that I can answer for you today, for sure. Oh, I'm going to be firing off all of the questions. (laughs) I think one of the things that I've noticed a shift in the most, so just to give even more context of my background, I have been tracking my nutrition since high school. I used to track on, you know, with pen and paper, and I would try to stay under 1200 calories. I'd be exercising three, four hours a day. Like that was normal to me. Now, me personally, I'm eating around like 2300 calories. I'm still a very active woman, but I'm getting out there. But I'm just seeing a trend towards eating more. I'm sure you're seeing that as well in your practice that we actually want people to be well nourished, hitting nutrient goals. No one was talking about anything like that when I was a teenager. And I think that's one of the best things about Chronometer is the level of nutrient detail we have. We agree with you wholeheartedly. We have a holistic approach to nutrition. You can be keto, you can be vegan, but as long as you're hitting your nutrient targets, that's really what we care about. But I don't think that everyone is there yet. And I think it is is a journey. A lot of people we do see are still expecting to be losing five pounds in a week. And when they're not, they're frustrated. And then part of my job is explaining to people how many calories you actually have to be in a deficit, like what your caloric deficit is to lose weight. So all these magazine headlines that we're seeing, lose 10 pounds in two weeks for your sister's wedding or that kind of thing. I'm here telling people, you know, the deficit will have to be huge. Are people showing up to you with weight loss goals that you're then having to tell them that it's too aggressive or are they expecting to hit a certain goal by a certain point and you're having to teach them, you know, 
about nutrients and then about basically how long it actually does take to lose true weight, not just water weight, but but true weight loss. Yeah. One of the the, the, the biggest struggles, or I think that the way people approach nutrition, they're approaching it very uh, differently than they would when they need to learn to do something new. And I think that's one of the biggest problems. Like if you need to, and again, like there's different kinds of domains of life. For example, I use a lot of analogies to explain nutrition to many of our clients. And one of those analogies that I like to kind of explain a lot is it's going to be that of finances, right? Like if you don't ever learn how to manage your finances, like you're always going to be struggling, right? I personally have had to struggle since I was like, you know, younger, um, irresponsible spending and, and different things like that. So I think what a lot of times happens in nutrition is, is when you're seeing a lot of these diets and a lot of these like magazine headlines and all the different things like that, is they're not really teaching you how to manage your nutritional finances, right? They're just essentially like telling you a method, like do this things and you're going to be able to get to this goal, right? Do this other thing and you're going to be able to get to this goal, but they're not really teaching you the how or the why, right? And, and when you don't have an understanding of those things, those methodologies or those diets or or programs or whatever obviously you're following just simply becomes a rule book of directions that you followed until you forgot about them or you realize that they were not really aligned with the way that you lived your life. And when you have that reality check, then you realize like, I'm not going to continue to do this. And then you go back to older habits in this perpetually perpetual cycle of of, okay, I need to do this, this direction. I need to kind of follow this diet thing in order for me to get to this place. And then like, and it's become so ingrained as a normal thing, which is, oh, I need to lose the weight. I need to do this diet. And then I, it's kind of getting to a place where people started to understand that, oh yeah, I'm going to gain the weight back up or I'm going to gain, gain the, the weight back up. And that's normal. And, and I'm like, that is not normal. Like if, if you did something to help you get to an outcome and then you didn't really stay there, then whatever you did didn't work. It's like, no, it did because I lost the weight. It's like, yeah, but you wouldn't be here today talking to me if you did because the weight actually came back up. And this is something that's happened to you for the whole entire life. These are day-to-day conversations I have with a lot of um, the people that we're helping and that we support. So I think it's, it's that it's like they're they're not really doing it the right way because they're not really taking the time. And then to your point of what we talked about earlier before we started, like, you know, this conversation, which is sustainable weight loss is not a healthy or not a, not a sexy topic, I guess. People don't like to hear sustainability. They don't like to kind of hear something sustainable because it doesn't really sound cool. People want quick, fast, like rapid, like I need something tomorrow, like and that's un- that's the unfortunate type of you know societal standards that uh, we live in today because we lack patience as a society, and I think that's one of the biggest problems that exist. And unfortunately, it's never going to fix long term weight problems that many people face today. Yeah, I think for me, just being caught in the same cycle, I think it was like a lack of understanding. Basically, the information wasn't as publicly available as it is now. The internet was relatively new when I was a teenager, which I'm dating myself, but that's that's fine. People in my life, when they find out that I work for a nutrition and fitness app, the first thing that they ask me is, what is the best diet? And I always say to people, it's the one that you can actually adhere to. Like the word diet at its very core, people think that a diet is a short-term 
solution. Diet actually means just the foods that you're eating, basically. It's, it's not something that you go on for a term. So when I'm out doing activity, I have a sweet tooth and I will absolutely occasionally indulge it. And I'm having, you know, like mini eggs. I have a, I have a soft spot for mini eggs. And people are like, don't you work for a nutrition app? You know, you shouldn't be eating like that. And I'm like, I'm catering to the need that I have right now, which is, you know, it might be, it might be even emotional or, or whatever. And, and I'm not going to sweat it. And I'm going to stick to my regular eating plan the rest of the day. I'm not going to beat myself up about it. And I probably won't go off the rails like a lot of people do when they're super restrictive. And I think that in diet culture, it's so easy to eliminate whole food groups, you know, like it's really easy to stick to something very regimented and specific. I'll eliminate carbs in their entirety or I'll reduce my fat intake or sugar. And those are all admirable things that I do believe can work in, in the short term because you're probably in a caloric deficit if you're eliminating all carbs. That's one of the things that I don't think people always appreciate too is you probably are in a deficit. And that all or nothing approach in the beginning, it takes a lot of the guesswork out of it. You're not worried about like things that are complicated like macronutrients or even calorie counting. You're like, I'll just eliminate carbs. Obviously, a lot of people who do that, they do see drastic weight loss because carbs hold water within our body. So they're losing a lot of water weight. They're like, this works. But as we see with most chronometer users, not everybody, because there are some applications that Things like the ketogenic diet are really helpful, but we see that then something happens. It can be a life event, an illness, anything, a vacation. One small blip throws people off and then they completely throw in the towel. And I used to be that way too. I'd have many eggs and I'm like, well, I broke my sugar target for the day. I'm just going to eat absolutely everything and I'll start fresh tomorrow. And that approach is what kept me and I'm sure a lot of our users and a lot of your clients in a cycle of gaining and losing the same 10 pounds. When I'm talking to yep. people about weight loss, I'm like, I've probably lost 150 pounds in my life. I've never technically been overweight, but it's the same. It's the same weight. Back and forth. Absolutely. Which I think is so common. You know, losing weight, I say, is easy. Maintaining weight is significantly harder. And the only way that I was able to break out of that personally is by upping my caloric intake to a point of not depriving myself, which I mean, there's health ramifications we can touch on about what severe calorie diets can actually do to your body and just indulging occasionally. And that diet has what has helped me. Like no foods are off limits. Uh, our nutrition scientist that works here, she's amazing. She said something that stuck with me forever. She said, food doesn't have morals. It's not good. It's not bad. And as soon as I let that go, I'm like, everything's on the table. I'm going to eat it in moderation. And my weight has been incredibly stable for years now. And I just want everyone to have that, but it, it isn't sexy. So can you walk us through how you help people break through those kind of notions that they're holding about restriction and eliminating whole food groups? Like you're obviously having to educate people on how to have 
a sustainable, which like you said, is, is not sexy, but a sustainable diet. What, what does that process look like? Because obviously you're not just a dietitian. You're also like a life coach and almost a therapist, really. It, it's a lot of work. It is. And I think, you know, we typically start funny enough with people from the very beginning, which is depending on the person trying to understand, particularly when it's someone, someone that struggled with weight for a big part of their life is, is trying to understand when did that start and, and why do you think it started? Like, so, um, there's this really good book that, um, I forgot his name, but he wrote it with Oprah and, and it's called like, what happened to you, which kind of talked about, like, we sometimes ask ourselves the wrong questions, which is like, what is wrong with me? And instead of asking ourselves the questions, what happened to me? And, and that really is a question that resonates to many people because it helps them understand the way that they make decisions around food and the and the reasoning why they are or they, they struggle with the things that they do. And most people typically have some form of struggle that started in their childhood. So we typically try to go back a little bit to try to help them understand what old wiring was created then that got into a place that it is today. And then that looks different for many people, but most people fall into the same type of categories. And, and the unfortunate truth is with their parents and not that they had wrong intentions, but then a lot of the times the way parents talk to their kids, uh, I'm a new parent now, so I'm, I'm careful with that. It really shapes up the way that people create a relationship with food. I've worked with clients who've told me that their parents put them to diet since they were like 12 years old, right? So when you are being on a restricted calorie or, or you're, you're, you're being told that what you eat it and compared to other kids is not normal and you need to modify what you're eating compared to other kids and you cannot have little like pizza on the little slice of cake and things like that, it starts to create a lot of ramifications that transcend into the future as an adult and you sometimes don't make sense of it, right? So what do people typically do? they go for desperate measures and they go in this spiral of finding the diet and, and, and the quick fix because maybe that's what they've always been told is what needs to happen. Like I'm from a Hispanic culture, so that is a very ingrained thing. Like if, if somebody's overweight, do a diet. And, and that's always been a societal thing that's always existed. So I always like to start with understanding the person from that core, from from that history to, to try to, to make sense of why they make the decisions that they do. So there's a bit of a mindset component that comes into play. And the second thing we do is trying to bring him into the reality, which is, okay, what is happening right now? And what are some of the things that you tried? And then to help them understand why the things that they did worked and what are the things that they didn't do work. So you brought the point of keto or, or being vegan and all different things like that. Most like 80% of the people we work with, they've tried or attempted something in the past that worked and maybe it didn't. And I always ask the question, why do you think it worked and what do you think it didn't? And they all really comes, it comes down when I explain it to them with basic nutritional, you know, scientific principles. You know, you went keto, like, well, you lower your carb intake and you started to eat less because you cut out a lot of the crap out of your diet. And because of that reason, you ate less calories. So when we start to help them understand and see with reason, why they accomplished the things that they did or why they didn't, then they start to have aha moments that helps them understand certain things. And it helps them break through the chains that tells them that maybe you cannot have the cookies are prohibited unless you're on a diet or like you're when you're on a diet. When, when you're not on a diet, those are like free for all. 
right? So we tri- we typically kind of start with understanding that. And then we, we tie that up with their goals. What do you want to accomplish? Where do you see yourself in a year? Where do you see yourself in six months? What does the ideal version of you look like? And, ex- and describe that person to me. Is it just the weight or how you feel, how you look, how like clothes make you feel? And then when they really associate to that person, that future version of themselves, they can have a lot of times like people talk about not having the motivation. They, they have the drive to actually want to change. And then for, once we have a better understanding of that, so we typically spend like a 90 minutes going through that process in our first sessions with, with our clients. And then once we have an understanding of that, then we need to figure out exactly what is the lowest hanging fruit? What do we need to kind of start working on first that is going to kind of give you the biggest return, but it's not going to to massively change everything of what you're doing. Because w- when you've done diets in the past, I think you remember, right? Like, or when you did it, like when there's like 1200 calorie sprees and whatnot, you made a drastic change. It was like a 180 approach and overnight. Most people, they start a diet, they go to the grocery store, they buy all the things that there's on the list and they're supposed to do. And then Monday they start and they're eating like literally everything completely different to what they're actually used to. I hate doing that. Because it's not a gradual change, right? It's like you're making this 180 degree change. And because of that reason, it's, it's really hard to sustain. You're excited for a couple of weeks of it, maybe a month. But then once you grow tired and you realize that you prefer to go back to older habits because those are more comfortable for you, then you typically start to realize that you're giving up on, on this whole thing. There's so much that goes into it, but that is usually the beginning. It's, it's starting to figure it out what the lowest hanging fruit is for someone. And for us, like we, and we get into, we can get into it, but like the, the whole aspect of macro and calorie awareness and, and nutrient awareness is, it's one way, it's one tool that we use in our disposal to help people understand, right? That you can have the cookie, you can have a very balanced diet, you can have a piece of cake, you can have this thing, you can have this other thing. Like I always like joke with people. I was like, man, I love like last night I had a bowl of Cheerios. I love Cheerios. Are we talking honey nut or plain? <laughs> so, but then like people will look at me just like they did with you. And, and I get that question all the time. Like, what's the best diet? And it's like, I thought you were a dietitian. It's like, yes, I am a dietitian. Check me out eating Cheerios. It's like, how can you recommend? And I get these comments all the time on social media. It's like, how can you call yourself a dietitian and recommend this crap to people? It's like, well, again, food has no morals, right? Food is just food. And it really depends on the context in which you place it in because you didn't really see what I ate for lunch. I ate a beautiful salad with, you know, whole grains and, and, and lean meats and tons of vegetables. And then I have my bowl of Cheerios. What's so wrong about that? Because people typically look at nutrition black or white. And I think that's the biggest mistake that they're making too. Yeah, I I completely agree. We have been hardwired, of course, to have that mentality. And I think one of the barriers, and we can absolutely talk about barriers to actually losing weight or keeping it off, I think we've identified as the bigger problem. But I think that there's so much information out there and it's coming at us from all angles. Now we have social media, we have podcasts, we have books. There's obviously the internet. You made a post recently about something uh, about chat GPT that you can like put your contents of your refrigerator and it can spit out uh, a recipe for you. There's 
there's endless sources for information. And I feel like a lot of the time people find it to be really daunting to even identify where they should begin. I know for me, it's, it's interesting because I host the podcast and if someone has written a book, and they're going to be a guest, I'll obviously do my homework and and read the book. And I'm reading these books and even they have conflicting views. You know, one is saying we need animal protein. One is saying plant-based diet for longevity. One's talking about muscle and why we need animal protein. The other one's talking about brain health. And, and, and I feel like I have access to more information on nutrition than most people in my job. And I'm like, what is the source of truth here? You know what I mean? Like, how do I find not only what's best for me, but what's best in general. Can you talk about a little bit about just how saturated we are with different media and how people should look at finding the best diet for them? I think we live in a great time, but also we live in a very challenging time because of that reason, because we have... I think somebody said that one of the best, biggest sources or like most valuable sources, it's always been oil uh, around the world. And they say now that the biggest or the most valuable source is data and information. And I think that's the truth. And the reality is like, we're yeah, we're, we're bombarded with so much information and, and, and we're competing for people's attention. And I think anyone today, and you'll see it, it takes you a couple of scrolls and a couple of minutes on social media to realize because the algorithm already knows what you want. And if you're looking for help around nutrition, it's going to show you everything around nutrition that it can, right? And obviously people know this. And when you're trying to grow a business or make money or whatever you want to do, because a lot of times it's the ulterior like motive or like the, the behind the scenes. I mean, I, I'm, I'm transparent. It's like, oh, I provide information and value. I want to help people. But at the same time, I run a business. So I want people working with me because I want to help them. But there's a ton of other people that want to do the same thing. So I'm convinced that anyone can make any claim that they want. And if they're confident enough to support it, and sometimes if they have a, some form of credential or, or something that validates who they are to be able to say that, can literally tell you to, to do anything you want today and you'll believe it. We have a, a, a world, like a, literally a war of information around nutrition that is staggering right now. And it's scary. You have the people that are in the school of like, you know, old plants are bad for you, like go carnivore. Like, and there's a lot of followers around that. You're going to have the school of people that are like all processed foods are killing you and the government is out to get us. And then you're going to have the people that are going to be on, on the side of like, no, like, animals are bad stop eliminating it so and i've seen a ton of influencers that i really look up to that sometimes like they they have exemplified that and i don't know if you've seen those videos where they're scrolling and it's like okay i'm eating a piece of like i'm eating a burger right so it's like okay like carbs are bad for you so the guy kind of eliminates the the bun of the burger it's like cool so like the meat is bad for you and there's like okay so he's left with the lettuce and the tomatoes no plants are bad for you and then like he just is left with nothing right so there's all kinds of claims out there and so so the question is like how do we navigate this mat right how do we go through through all those different things you have to be skeptical first of all like every single time even now i tell people you see one piece of my content be skeptical about it ask yourself questions is what this guy actually saying true right and and the other part too that i always like say to them is you you have to 
really like be careful with information that sounds too good to be true or too exaggerated like there's like all these guys now talking about like oatmeal is like bad for you it's like the worst food that you can consume and ultimately like when you hear things like that that make you like turn an eye you're like wait what the wait what moments and specifically nutrition are the things i'm going to be skeptical about because it's the kind of things you never expected that is like oh my god this is like i've been doing this whole thing wrong the reality when you see a lot of these people these people that are actually making all these crazy claims most of them are people that are multimillionaires that have big empires like some of them are selling supplements so they're competing for attention they grow big follows and they want to need to continue with that brand because that's part of their brand and unfortunately i don't have the moral like compass directed that way to be able to do that otherwise i'd probably be making a lot more money than i do right now i just can't do it now these people they can and you know kudos to them and whatever is the case but i think it's hurting people more than it's helping them because it makes them confused. It makes them like imagine a person that is going through all that stuff, going to a grocery store, like they are already struggling to figure out what to pick. And then you scroll a couple minutes on Instagram and then you see like oatmeal is bad for us. And then like plants are killing us because they're literally eating us. And then all those different things, like what are you left to do? And then like, you need to all buy organic and imagine a family that cannot afford organic food or they cannot afford whole foods. And then that's the only way that they feel it's the, the adequate way to take care of their families, but they can't afford it. I mean, what do you tell that person? And that is the problem with a lot of these, these different people. And this is why it's scary. So for me, I simplify I make things simple. You're never going to hear me talk about like, oh, you're having an ultra processed food. I'm going to teach you how it's important to create balance around things, but I'm not going to tell you don't eat that. I don't like to use the word good. I don't like to use the word bad, or I don't like to use the word this is, this is something you cannot eat and this is something that you should eat, right? I like to teach the concepts and then making or helping them make decisions around those things. And trust me, every time that we do this, people feel free. People feel happier to make those choices and they ultimately get to the goals that they want to. Because here's the reality too, Alyssa, like, which is we won't know none of this stuff because there's no way to test whether these things are quote unquote killing us. When we're 80 years old, we're going to look back in this moment. And then at that point, we're going to say like, this guy was wrong and this guy was wrong and this guy was wrong. The one thing I will tell you is my grandma is 95 years old and that woman has consumed alcohol, ate carbs, ate vegetables, fruits and meat and all those different things like that. And she's kicking it still. Right. So obviously N equals one in there, but I typically use that a lot as an example. And I think that's going to be the same case in the future. I mean, how can you attribute somebody, for example, that, you know, it's the other day I heard about someone who like vegan, all that kind of stuff like that and passed away from cancer. Right. Then is it like the plants are killer or whatever is the case? So it's, it's such a wild, wild west out there from this. And I'm super like, as you can hear my voice, I'm like very like passionate and, but at the same time, like so disrupted by this whole idea because it's so hard to navigate and it's frustrating to be honest. So I try to do my part to try to keep people at ease and to say, chill out. Let's hit the reset button for a second. And for try, let's try to forget all the notions of what you think nutrition needs to look like. And let's start over again. And I think that is a good place for people to begin right now 
to start over and to start to look at nutrition so that if you forgot everything that you know about it. I, I actually love that approach because I do think it's confusing. And I think that because there's so much out there, people can't even begin. It's a barrier for even beginning on a good path to health. And because of our podcast, like when I have, when I have guests on here, I consume their brand. I think that's very important. And I feel like I've taken away something from everyone that's changed my life. And I was actually having a conversation the other day because sometimes I feel like I'm not fun because I go to bed at a good time and I typically don't consume alcohol and I'm doing all of these things. And it's funny that you say like, there's no crystal ball that knows if everything I'm doing is going to make me live longer. You know what I mean? Like are hitting my macros every day, getting adequate protein, good sleep, staying hydrated. Is that going to make me live longer? Like we, we actually don't know, but for me to break it down, like obviously I'd like to live, I'd like to have a, a beautiful health span, a long health span, which Peter Atia. I'm sure you're familiar with the name. I, I, I really like the word health span over lifespan. And uh, obviously I'm going for that goal, but I want to choose a diet that gives me energy and makes me thrive today. Because really, that's all I have. And for me, that didn't happen until I started tracking nutrition. And obviously I work for Chronometer, so I'm biased, but I was lethargic, had very little energy, poor sleep. And then I, when I started working here, like I said, I've been tracking for years prior, but never focused on nutrients because that wasn't even on my radar. Like I wasn't even tracking macros when I started here. I would only knew about calories and then learned about macros and micros. And when I started plugging in my diet, I was like, oh, I am missing so many nutrients. And I think that Obviously, I think that the best form of weight loss, weight gain, because a lot of people that use our app also want to gain, you know, they want to do some body recomps or gain muscle or even just weight in general, or they're looking to maintain them. I think tracking is where, where it's at. I think a lot of people think that it's very restrictive and can cause people to be a little maybe too focused on what they're eating and take some enjoyment out of it. But for me, it has made me feel completely free because I know I'm making the best choices. So now my energy is honestly boundless. I feel like the Energizer Bunny half of the time. And I attribute that to having really good nutrition, hitting my nutrient targets and that kind of thing. So I'd love to hear some success stories that you've had with your clients, not necessarily on a weight loss level, because I think we're so consumed with actually losing weight. I want to lose 10 pounds. Have you seen people transform their vitality? Yes, I have. So one recent one, I was actually going to try to see if I could pull the, the what, what he said this weekend, which was post Thanksgiving at the time that we're recording this. And he said, this is the first time I've actually ever enjoyed a Thanksgiving and not feel guilty or not feel that I had to burn the calories I ate, you know, out of punishment for being, quote unquote, so bad. And when I got that message, you know, I realized that the work we've done for months, it's paid off. 
because this is a this is a guy man imagine like a very successful business person who who had a mental battle with food right and ever since we started you know tracking and becoming aware of of because uh, I, I think of nutritional tracking and, and nutrient tracking a, a, an awareness and tool but it's also a skill that we're acquiring and developing to to have a better understanding of what is it that we're putting in our body and and what kind of impact does it actually create so this one success story is more than the weight loss that happened, you know, like this guy like dropped like 20 pounds and he told me like, I accomplished in four months what I've never been able to accomplish in two years. And, and it was as a result of, of being able to look at like what he was consuming and saying like, cool, like, look at what's happening to me. Look at how I'm feeling. Look at what am I consuming? Like right now we're, we're fighting right now to, to get him to eat more food and he's just struggling with it, but then he's getting there. And then we always look at the data because I'm a very numbers driven person because I feel like data can, you know, explain things, you know, research is based on data. So I use it as a way to, to validate specific things of what's happening. So when somebody tells me like, man, like I, this is the first time I had a, an enjoyable Thanksgiving that did not feel that I did not feel guilt the day after that I felt good about. And it was mostly because of the fact that I became aware of what was consuming, what I was eating and never actually felt like I was restricting myself. And I attributed that to, to the same thing that I have done. So, so a little bit of my, like a little side note in here or something I, I, I did. I don't think I've ever, I think I've shared this in podcast, but I did a ketogenic diet for an entire year as a personal experiment. A uh, personal experiment. Yes, I did. I did it for a month and I thought that was impressive. <laughs> and one thing about me is when I'm set on something, I'm going to see it through. No matter how much it costs me or no matter how much it is. So I we, we got into this like personal experiment and, and we it was supposed to be six months. I ended up kind of going through it for the whole year. So doing keto, I gained about 20 pounds. And that was an eye-opening experience. And I was like, what in the world? Like, how did this happen? When I look in the mirror a year later, right? And I'm like, what happened here? Right? And it's like, I'm looking at myself as like, this is crazy. At this point, I don't know, I'm already a dietitian, but, you know, I understand calories, macros, all that kind of stuff like that. But I never actually taken it into, you know, me doing it and me obviously understanding what I was doing. So I had no awareness. All I did was a typical approach that many people have with any of these diets, which is, well, keto is high fat moderate protein and then low very very low carbs so as long as i do those three things i'm gonna be okay the problem was like i have a big appetite so i would go and like pour um dressing and everything high cheese intake all the bacon all the kind of stuff like that and then before i realized that i was probably consuming three to four thousand calories on a daily basis and i had no idea right? Because this is a time, obviously, keto was like kind of picking up. So there's all these like food products that now are keto and then have like 20, 25 grams of fat, like one serving. And I'm like, holy crap, like how in the world did this happen? It's simply because of the fact that I miss a very important point. The calories do matter, right? And then and also like what my nutrition was looking like and the, the nutrients that I was consuming. So it's and literally, this is what happened. I was working with the coach at the time because I was like, coaches need coaches. So I was like, okay, I need help. I need somebody to hold me accountable. So I started counting my macros and my calories and my nutrients. And I was able to completely transform my body in only three months. Lost the 20 pounds, felt amazing, never felt restricted. And when I'm looking at the data in those weeks, I'm like, 
holy crap, like this is this is what it is. I I was not becoming aware of what I was consuming. I was completely clueless about this. And literally I un, undid everything that happened in that year, mostly because I made some adjustments into that. So that opened up my eyes to realizing I need to become aware of what I'm doing. And again, like the, the whole uh, analogy with finances is like, if I don't ever pay, it, it, I don't ever pay attention to my bank account. I don't know where my money's going and I don't know exactly how much money I'm spending and how much is coming in. So if I don't really face the fact of really what it's actually happening, it's going to be really difficult for me to learn exactly what is do I need to adjust. So that was eye opening to me. And when I see my clients having like things of what happened with Thanksgiving with this guy, it's something similar, just like a lower scale, which is I'm able to enjoy something because of the fact that I don't have this like cloud over my head, like, you know, going over it, thinking how much weight, how much fat am I actually putting on after this one meal, which Side note, it doesn't really cause any type of fat gain, by the way, <laughs> in case you are actually concerned about like one meal. So that was very interesting. And I think in, in success stories like his are multiple because people have like released the chains that hold them from making decisions around food for, for years. And when you have that level of freedom, then food does not become something that holds you back or or it's something that you perpetually think about it just simply becomes something that it's part of your life. I think that food is one of life's greatest pleasures too, you know, like even just the eating with friends, going out, having a good time. There's a lot of, you know, family traditions that are around food for most people. Like I don't, I don't ever want to feel bad about any, any of those things. One of the things for me with tracking is I was tracking for a while in chronometer with no real purpose. I just feel like as with my role as the community marketing manager, that I should be walking my talk. And if I'm encouraging our 8.5 million users to track, I probably should be too. I also just want to understand that's why I did the ketogenic diet because it was very popular when I, when I started working here and I'm like, I don't understand why everyone cares so much about counting carbs. And then, so I did the keto keto diet for a month and I am someone that needs carbs. My lifestyle is very cardiocentric and I was really struggling personally. I know it works for some people and some people run really well off, off fat. I am not that person. So carbs is good, but Me for either. a while, yeah, <laughs> you did it for a year though. That's super impressive. Yeah. Yeah. And it's still, but it's definitely not something for, I think it can be sustainable for some people, just not for most. Absolutely. And and if that works for you and you're feeling good and you're hitting your health markers, then, then absolutely fly at it. I think the diets are incredibly individualistic, but I was gaining weight and not tracking for a reason. And then I look back, um, in my, chronometer trends. And I was like, wow, I've been eating 500 calories a day more <laughs> than I was eating. And I did that for, for a month. And I think like the awareness piece there. And then I'm like, well, okay. So now I just have to make an adjustment. Like I must've been extra hungry that month and, and wasn't really paying attention. And then being able to like, look back and the numbers just don't lie. And maybe that's one of the reasons that I love nutrition tracking. I'm highly data-driven. You said you were. I, I definitely am too. It really does come down to math. And I know that the formula is a little bit 
there, there's things that we can throw in there, like the thermic effect of food, which can, which can add different elements to how many calories you're burning in a day and that kind of thing. But what I think most people don't really understand is that it takes 30, a caloric deficit of 3,500 calories to lose a pound and what that actually looks like over a week. You know, like when we're talking about weight loss and people think I want to lose 10 pounds in two weeks, the amount of, of deficit that you would have to have, it, you basically not be able, be able to eat. And I think that when I'm talking to people about their weight loss goals, I'm not giving advice here, but it's just the, the settings within our app. I'm like a 500 calorie deficit every day for a week is, is one pound of weight loss. And people are like, that doesn't feel like enough. And then I'm like, well, eliminating a thousand calories every day to lose two pounds a week is barely sustainable. I think for, for most people, honestly, I think it would be incredibly daunting. So I think that the, the slower approach is, is really good. You touched on a point that I see a lot and that I've fallen victim to as well. With all of this data that we have, I wear an Apple Watch. I I am very active outside. I'm typically running or mountain biking or that kind of thing and blowing through calories like they're going on a style. But there sometimes even now I do get stuck in this loop. Like I'll get to the end of the day and I've had 500 calories more than I've burned. And I'm like, oh, Elisa, you should go. You should go on the spin bike downstairs. How do you get people to let that go? Like, do, would you recommend in, in that case that you just try again tomorrow? Because they ultimately are not going to reach their goals if they've eaten more than they've burned and their weight loss, it, weight loss is the goal. Or, or do you tell people to like ditch the wearable for a while? Like, what is your advice for those kinds of moments? Yeah, so many ways that we can kind of go about this, but that I have a few thoughts that kind of come into mind. First, the idea of like, you know, the deficits that we need to create daily, there's theoretical concepts and there's, there's more practical concepts, right? In theory, that's what is supposed to happen. In practicality, sometimes it doesn't because the body's ever changing, right? The body's never going to be burning 2,500 calories. So that means you need to eat 2,000 to lose like a pound a week. So because your body's like kind of modifying. Now that's where we insert wearables. Like, you know, Apple Watch, I have a Whoop. I think those are the things. I always take the data that those things throw me, always with a grain of salt. Studies have shown that the margin of error of estimations of calories burnt, for example, can go from 5% margin of error, which is like, okay, that's not too bad, to up to 50 or 40 to 50%. So imagine that if you like get so caught up on the idea that you burn uh, or you consume 500 calories more, which is something that you actually have a little more control of, even it's sort of, oh, it's always an estimation. When we are putting something on an app, it's always an estimation because it's never going to be the number. It's a close approximation. And then at the same time, you have something that you have less control over that is estimated based on your heart rate, right? And there's like this large margin of error depending on the brand and then the wearable that you're using. So, which means just for context for people listening, what is a 40% margin of error? That means that if your thing said that you burn 2000 calories, that could mean that you burn 
1,200 calories, or that can mean you burn 2,800 calories. You see that big difference that exists in, in, in that. So you cannot sometimes trust that. What I like to use or I like to do is I look at trends. So what does that mean? If you're looking at your chronometer data, this is what we do with our clients. And I look at their calories burned. Let's say that they're wearing a Whoop or an Apple Watch. And I look at this is how much they're burning. And I look at how this is how much they're consuming. And I see that they're losing weight, even though they are consuming a little bit more than what it is, then I know the data that this thing is actually throwing them is probably not as accurate. And I'm not really going to be paying attention to on the same token. I sometimes see people that are burning this crazy amount of calories, right? They're burning 3000 calories on a daily basis and they're consuming 1800 and they're not losing the weight. So it makes me question, okay, what is actually happening here? One or two things, maybe what that little wearable is definitely telling you is not the truth and you're definitely burning a lot less calories than what you think, or you're definitely eating a lot more calories than what you think, if that's the case, right? Or there's going to be maybe some resistance happening because of a, a multitude of reasons from um, generical things, you know, metabolic adaptation, like maybe the deficit is way too kind of like big of a gap. So there are so many variables that come into play and it can be very complicated to think about. So the way I always like to explain it is like, first off, if you go over your calories based on what you think you're consuming or what you think you're burning, right? I don't ever look at my calorie intake on as just a simple day. I look at it as a week, right? Why? And I always do this math with people, which is, Imagine if you're, you're burning 2,000 calories every day, okay? And so what is that times seven days? That's like 14,000 calories that you burn throughout the week. Let's say that you ate that same amount, right? You ate 2,000 calories every single day. What should happen to your weight theoretically? It should stay the same, right? Because it's the same. What happens if you had like 3,000 calories in three of the days that you consume on that? So that's going to be about nine. But then you had maybe like 800 calories the other ones. Like I'm trying to make the math to make it match the exact amount of 14,000. So maybe it's not exactly right. But what I'm trying to say is that maybe there's going to be days in which you consume more. And I'm not condoning for you to do that. Don't go out there and do like 3,000 calories that, you know, for two days in a row and then like go and restrict yourself for a while because that's not sustainable. But the reality, and this is what happens to many people that struggle not with gaining weight, but not being able to lose it, right? Which is they just kind of get in this cycle that they just can't get the number to move and they complain so much about it. It's like, but I'm doing all the right things and blah, 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 blah. It's like, what's probably happening is you're restricting yourself a lot. You're really kind of cutting a lot of calories. And then whenever you're just done with the restriction, usually it's on a Friday afternoon or Friday morning, right? Then you, everything goes out the window and now you're actually pushing three to 3,500 calories from alcohol consumption to hyper palatable foods that are easy to over consume and then friday saturday sunday you consume like three thousand calories from whatever so you end up at a net what at a net is is you consume at the end of the week the same amount of calories that you burned that's why you're not gaining weight but that's also the reason why you're not losing and even though you're doing all this like healthier things you're eating healthy and you're doing all this the right things because people typically tend to choose to see the things that they want to see, which is like all the healthy stuff that I'm doing, but they choose to omit the things that are not necessarily serving them. And it's crazy when I, when I, I talk, when I, in my 10 years as a dietitian, I see this all the time. Sometimes people selectively choose not to track certain things because of the fact of what they will do to their nutrition. I know. <laughs>
So, and, and it's, it's kind of like it, the way they think about it is like, and I get it, right? Because I've been in there before. It's like, I don't want to put this on here because I don't see what is actually going to happen to it, to my macros. And I'm going to be off of my numbers. But then what ends up happening is like, who are you lying to? You're lying to yourself because that food is still being consumed. So it's not like just by the fact that, because I have a, a client who told me, it's like, oh, if I don't track, it doesn't count, right? Not quite. So that's probably one of the biggest things that I, I, I try to explain to people when it comes down to like calorie management and thermodynamics and calories. And they start to understand it and, and they have a more of a, a better grasp of, of how this whole thing works. So they don't kind of get caught up on the idea of like, I need to hit a 500 calorie deficit or I went over my calories today. And it's a little bit easier because again, bringing it back to sustainability, that's how you able to actually achieve something sustainable without feeling that you're restricted. Yeah, I see it too. And I'm always so curious about our user data. I just love our community and I'm deeply invested in everyone's success. And I'm like, do people track on the weekends? And I mean, I've fallen victim to that too. I'll be doing something, you know, my, my own logging style is very informal in terms of I'm not logging the second I'm eating something, you know, I will open the app a few times a day and enter things and, and do it that way. And then sometimes I'm like looking at the numbers and, and I'm like, Oh, if I don't add that brownie, my mom brought to my house, then my day is perfect. So I won't. And then like, and I'm like, who are you serving? And, and why, why would I lie to my app? But human nature, it is, I guess. But then I force myself to put it in because that might serve me well later. I, I have looked at trends. Like I do agree that trends are really where it's at. And I have looked at trends and then identified things and like sugar consumption and weekends and that kind of thing. And, and I think that even though on some level, it is kind of personally embarrassing to admit that I had like 4,500 calories in a day. I don't know why I feel that way, that it would be embarrassing, but I mean, it is, that's a lot of food for like a, a small, <laughs> a small woman. And, but then I'm like, but why wouldn't I track this? You know what I mean? Like there's nothing to gain from not tracking it. And there's so much to, to gain from tracking it. And absolutely. And then. I've used chronometer in like really like I've, I'm, I mean, I'm a huge nerd when it comes to my nutrition. So on days like that, you know, I'm tracking my mood regularly, sleep. And I actually identified through trends and charting that I, when I don't get enough sleep, I eat way more. And I wouldn't have been able to identify that if I didn't have those days where I was logging absolutely everything. Because when you see 4,500 calories, 3,800 calories on a weekend and Friday night had three hours of sleep, you know, like it gives you information that can empower future decisions. I'm like, okay, so I probably need to get more sleep or I'm going to be mindlessly eating. But you said a key point, which is it alters the way that you make decisions which is how tracking can be used. And this is, again, bringing it back to where people feel like they fail when they do tracking is because they do it with the wrong intention, not really having the right tools to do it. And then at the same time, not knowing what to do with the information that tracking provides. And I think that is the biggest mistake in that we, what we try to change, which is, well, tracking is a tool that gives you a set of skills to help you understand portions, understand what you're consuming and helps you understand nutritional scoring and, and kind of how that fits into everything. 
And then with that information, you can make adjustments and changes and you can and alter the decision making that you can have. And we do this like in such fun ways. Like imagine like, for example, I have a client in Miami who loves to have sushi on Friday nights and he's really good with his numbers. And all I said was like, hey, man, like just just play around a little bit with your budget. So what happens, I call it like a PMV approach, which is proteins and veggies for most of the day. And then you can focus on having a higher carb and fat allowance for the for the night, which is most likely going to translate into a higher calorie. And you're still going to be at a good net and you're still going to be able to accomplish your goals. So that's how you alter decision making based on the information that you're collecting from that data that you're seeing. And I think that's where where people start to see tracking as more of a, a, a powerful tool to help them change the course of the decision making around their food rather than using it or seeing it as this, this like nagging thing that they have to do and that they kind of have to input. And what I use it when people say this, like, oh, this just takes me too much time. It's like, you don't say that when you're on social media scrolling, scrolling through stuff. And you're exactly in the same phone. You're simply tapping a separate, a different app. So it's not a lack of time. It's just simply a lack of intention and and not necessarily seeing the purpose of really why you're doing this. Yeah, people, the time thing seems to be a barrier and that's just mind-blowing to me. I mean, I have it down to a science, don't get me wrong. I've leveraged like repeat foods and creating recipes and that kind of thing to make it faster, but I, I spend less than a minute in the app. One of the things that I would encourage people to reach out to you or other Chronometer Pro users that I found really interesting was I actually did work with a professional. Her name is Tiana. She's amazing. And I thought that having someone looking at my food logs would actually create shame for me. You know, like I do have a sweet tooth. I did previously consume a lot of sugar. Like I, I don't have very many vices, I don't think, but sugar is, I have always joked that I don't have a sweet tooth. I have sweet teeth because every one of them is a sweet tooth. But I thought that there would be shame in someone looking at my food diary, but in actual fact, it was so powerful to just have someone like, obviously you're, you're very, you seem very calm. You're obviously very knowledgeable someone kind of telling me that it was okay. You know what I mean? Like I was like, this person's going to expect perfection. When in actual fact, working with a coach completely changed my mindset about forgiving myself over having foods like you, like your client, you said about sushi, like people working with coaches, I think is so important. Even just for a short time, I had a quite a long uh, relationship that that definitely helped me. But you guys can identify trends and that kind of thing that people can't. There's just something so nice about working towards a solution with someone who's used to tackling these problems. You know, like you guys are so good, you guys as coaches, dietitians in particular, so good at thinking of ways to still incorporate foods that people are loving in their diet. And I think that a lot of people feel like they have to give everything up if they're going to achieve their goals when in actual fact through, you know, like your example with, with that fellow and sushi, like people can continue to, to have the life that they want to live reach their goals and still and still enjoy food and i think that that's why people should yeah it's it, there's there's just like this concept around shame with food and also thinking like the the perception that they have of professionals around food nutrition dietitians is that 
we are the food police. We're going to police them. But it's more of a societal standard that's been kind of created by many people that are in our field that do what we do with the same professions and the same titles that we do that have created that reputation because you're going to find dietitians and coaches who will be food police people and who will tell you, don't do this. Like, this is awful. And and that is the unfortunate truth because I talk to many people and again, not to bash anyone and, and, and anything like that, but there are going to, you're going to find people that are going to have that type of approach, which I believe is not the right way to do coaching because it creates shame. It creates fear. And then whenever we work with certain people like that, whether they had an experience or not is, is they're afraid to show us like what it is. Like I had a client one time that went and had like three Big Macs the night before she came to see me because she felt like she just needed to get out of that, that out of the, out of her system. So, so I, I, I asked like, what's, what do you think I'm going to do to you here? Like, I'm not going to go and like, kind of put like, you know, chains and everything else for you not to be able to make decisions. So for me, it's more of a compassionate approach. It's, and then I try to show my social media, like I'm eating a pizza every Friday night. Like I just had a pop, like people love people that follow me know I love pop tart. So I was like, I'm eating my pop tart post workout. Right. So, so they can, so we can remove the barriers around shame, what it is really what this whole process is. And whenever I'm seeing the logs of our clients in, 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 in chronometer, they'll know at this point that I'm never going to tell them what are you doing here? Like, why are you eating um, Cheerios? Like, because it's never going to be the case. Why you consumed a ton of sugar, like lots of sugar today. Well, tell me, why do you think this happened and what can you do differently? It's, it's a different type of approach. And that's what really true coaching is because it's not policing. It's more guidance. And I think that's what makes all the difference for people moving forward and how they can see themselves succeeding on their own, even if they don't have the support and the help. I think one of the things too is because we all have bodies that we automatically should assume that we know what's best for ourselves. And I think it's like, would you go and start building a house by yourself? You know, like, no, you probably wouldn't, you know, you might be able to dig a hole for a foundation and then you would stop. Like, we just don't really always know what is best. And consulting with someone who does goes, I think, so far in being able to achieve our goals because we do all react differently. There's a billion different diets that are out there, different recommendations coming from left, right, and center and working with someone who knows how to build the house, so to speak, can can really take your progress in an enjoyable way from zero to 60 quite quickly. So... I really admire what you do. Obviously, working with you, you do seem like the, a very compassionate person, and uh, your approach is wonderful. What kind of what what flavor of pop tart are we talking here? Um, I like the brown sugar or like the 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 cinnamon brown sugar. I think that's one of my favorite ones. I think I also like the one that's like um, like cookie one. Those are really my favorite ones. I don't think we have. We're actually in Canada. I don't know if I mentioned that, but I don't think that we have access to the same. Pop tart distribution that you guys have. I think that. Which one do you like? I like blueberry, and I like it not toasted. Yeah, I like it cold. Yeah, just just natural. I I don't know what's what's wrong with you. Well, the one thing about me though is like I don't. So it's funny since I was a kid, I've never liked 
like fruit that it's outside of its natural form, like very rarely. So you'll never see me eating pie, for example. Like I'm not a big fan of that, that you'll never even see me like I, if, if you give me like a strawberry or like a blueberry pop, I'm going to be like, I'll eat it. But I'm like, this is not my favorite, mostly because it's just like, I'm not a big fan of jams, like stuff like that. I need to eat the fruit, like the way that it came into <laughs> into the world. Uh, nothing wrong with the other one. It's just, you know, that's that's one like little thing for me that I've never like really, truly enjoyed. So definitely not, I'm not going to go with you on, on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I just uh, think that the the icing is also on the blueberry one specifically very fun. It's it's white and then it's got like rainbow sprinkles in it, and so not only is it delicious, but it also makes me very happy to look at. So I love that. Yeah, brings happiness, brings joy. Well, and that's the thing. I think food is one of life's greatest pleasures. I think I have already said that, but at our office, I actually was shooting a video, uh, just doing an office tour yesterday. And I'm like, we went through the fridge and I'm like, I wonder if all of our users would be interested in the things that we're eating. And we have like a bag of M&Ms and obviously we do have healthy food here as well. But, but I think that uh, it just it goes to show that there's always room for, for everything. We're blowing through time and I can't help myself because this has been so interesting, but I always ask someone that I'm having on the podcast just for a piece of general advice on the topic. So I, I'd be curious to know what you think is the number one, or we'll give you like three because there's probably a lot, number <laughs> number one, two, and three uh, keys to sustainable weight loss. Yeah, I love that. I have one of them. It's I have it printed on a. Um, I think most of them are going to be related to quotes uh, because they're mostly mindset specific. One consistency will always beat perfection any day of the week. I think that's one of our motivation Monday quotes. I love that. Yeah, I think consistency yields more results and what you can consistently do is what can consistently stays and what will probably kind of get you to where you need to go even if they're smaller things i think perfection is tired and exhausting and nobody can kind of keep it up for too long so that's one the second one is a quote i don't remember exactly who said it um so it's not mine but i always say that a goal without a plan is only a wish so I think it's always important to have a really key understanding of what is it that you want to accomplish so that you can set a plan in motion to it. And the way I explain this is, you know, if you if I'm driving to Canada, I'm not just going to start driving right without any type of direction of what I'm going. I know I can probably get on specific roads that are going to go north, but then as far as that, I don't think I'm going to be able to make it. And. And that's essentially having like, there's a wish for me to get to Canada, but then there's absolutely no plan for it because I don't have a GPS or I don't have any type of map to be able to help me get there. So this is essentially like, you need to get a GPS to help you get to the destination that you need to. So you can understand exactly what are the immediate turns that you have to be making in the process. So make sure you have a plan, whether it's a plan that you create for yourself or it's a plan that somebody's actually helping you create, which is obviously what we help people do. That is the second thing that that is it's something that I would always recommend. And then the last one is um, awareness precedes change. So when you become aware of what's happening and the reality that exists within your life, then you know exactly what is it that you need to change. And I always say this, to, to tell this to people, which is like, if there's one thing that you that you can do today, it just simply ask yourself, 
like what happened, what went well, what didn't go well, because that helps you create awareness of really what is the reality that you're living in today so you can do things a little bit different tomorrow. If you do those three things, I can guarantee that, which is the hardest thing to do, it's hard, easier said than done, right? That any goals that you actually set for yourself, whether it's nutrition or fitness related or not, you're going to be able to accomplish. And I say easier said than done because I struggle with the very same things that I try to teach people overcome from being consistent with certain things. Yeah, I'm a content creator. Consistently posting content is one of the most challenging things. I'm sure you guys, you understand this in the marketing world too as well. So the people that succeed in that world are the people that are consistent, that are always showing up, right? So that is my message to you listening to this or, or people listening to this right now, which is it's always going to be the not the sexiest way to kind of accomplish things, but it's always going to be the most sustainable and the one that is always going to win. Um, so that's my message and recommendations for you guys that are not going to be like eat more protein or there's different things like that. We can kind of go into more of that if you want more like tactical uh, recommendations. But I think I like big picture and I think those things are going to be always helpful for that. I think that that's something that everyone can get behind anyway. We're going to have to do a follow-up episode at some point because you're just an amazing guest and I have a billion more questions to ask you. But uh, where in the meantime can people find you on socials? People should absolutely follow you. Your tips are amazing. Your content quality, sorry, is so well done. We're not operating with an iPhone or if you are, then it's great. But I'm like, I just love his content, like your aesthetic and everything. So where can people find you? What are all your social channels? We'll obviously include them in the show notes as well. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we're big on three platforms. Two of them we're just investing a lot more time and money on. Um, one of them is Instagram. You can find me at Andres, A-N-D-R-E-S, Ayesta, A-Y-E-S-T-A. Um, and that's where you're going to see most of my content and where you're going to see me going and showing up on stories and stuff like that. The second one, we have been uh, creating a really good presence on YouTube. So for more longer form type of content, if you really want to kind of dive a little bit deeper into the weeds of it, then that would be probably a better place. There's a ton of mentions of, of Chronometer in there, kind of how I use it with our clients. In fact, the most recent video, I did a whole walkthrough on like, here's what one of these clients, what he did when he started, what he's doing currently doing right now and some of the adjustments I'll be making. So you can go on YouTube and you, if you type in Andres Ayesta on the search box, you're going to be able to find it. And then we're also on TikTok as Andres the Dietitian, if you want to kind of check us out there. So those are the main places for socials. And if you want to find out more about our company, you can go to planosnutrition.com. Planos is a Spanish word for blueprints and the nutrition.com. And you're going to be able to find out more about me, what we do, and also ways in which we can support if you want to work with us as well from the one-on-one coaching standpoint as well. I will absolutely drop that in the show notes. I think it's great. I think a lot of people would benefit from your expertise. Everyone's looking for a coach. I think we just found your guy. (laughs) Yeah, it's been so great to have you on here and uh, talk about uh, weight loss. And thank you for being part of our Chronometer community. Absolutely. Well, thank you, uh, Lisa, for having us or for having me. And and I'm looking forward for uh, maybe part two of this podcast. 
Oh, absolutely. Thank you. I really hope that you loved this podcast episode and that it's helping you realize that slow and steady does in fact win the weight loss race, especially coming in at a time New Year's resolutions. Don't think of a diet as something that you're doing in the interim to have success. Think about what you can sustain your whole life. If you love this episode, I would love it if you shared it with other people that might benefit from it. Make sure you subscribe for future episodes. We're always trying to be on the cutting edge of information for our listeners. Until next time.